Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by CornNation.com, hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. My name is Greg Mahochko, joining me as always, Hoss Reuter and our fearless leader, John Dam Johnston. Gentlemen, how have you been this past week? I've been fantastic. It's it's been a it's been an adventure. It's been a hell of a week and uh we're going to make it two in a row on Saturday. You know what? You know what? I've, I've been in a really good mood. You know why I've been in a good mood? You know why? Guess why? Come on. Is it the winos have finally moved off your back alley? No, hell, they're going to be. That's not. There's still two games left. <laughs> oh, they're just. You know what happened this, they're just, you know what happened this last week? Wait, 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 you wait. Know what happened? Wait, you, what, are you, are okay, are go you, back to the winos. Are you, gonna, are you saying they're just football season winos? Yes. Okay. They are in, when you live in Minnesota, they're just football season winners because they got to get the hell out of here. All right, uh, Carrie. What what happened this past weekend? You know what happened this past weekend? What happened? What this happened past this weekend? past weekend is Nebraska led Illinois thirty-eight to twenty-one at the half, and in the second half, you know what they did? They kept they winning. Closed it. We closed it out. No, they they came out in the second half throwing the football in a cold November windy day. On a day in which all the, all, the, all the old men across Nebraska who for years have said, well, you gotta, you'll never be able to throw the ball when the wind comes out of the north in November and starts swirling around in, November, in Memorial Stadium. You know Sounds what like I mean? the start to a Gordon Lightfoot song. I, we, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to write that. You're welcome. You know, that, that's what happened. I, I'm looking forward to more of that this weekend against Michigan State. A, 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 something that apparently there's gobs of people that said could never happen possibly, and it just wouldn't be Nebraska football if it did. And there it was. Adrian Martinez just wing-zinging the ball all over the place with uh, great success. So well, I had a guy behind me in North Stadium who every time we threw the ball and it was a completion, he was silent as a church mouse. But when it was an incompletion, that's why you run the ball in November. <laughs> See what I mean? It took every ounce of restraint not to turn around and just give the guy some what for. I mean, if I wasn't miserably cold, I probably would have turned around and just, you know, told him where to go. I, it was the most annoying thing. Like, I love talking play calling. Hell, I write about it. I have conversations in my daily life with other people about it. But I'm not interested in revisionist play calling. It's it, that that part's. A, I mean, it's as if they've never seen the Green Bay Packers play ever. Oh yeah, or the New England Patriots winning Super Bowl after Super Bowl, throwing the ball in January when it's like two degrees in Foxborough. And right. and that one's for you, Greg. And when the when the ball is slightly uh, deflated uh, below the legal limits. They ran for 307 yards that night when the ball was deflated. LeGarrette Blount could have carried a beach ball through those holes, and it wouldn't have mattered. Oh, it, it, it matters. Um, 
So I just to to, to backtrack a little. Of course, uh, Nebraska did play against Illinois this past week. Uh, one big, as we mentioned, uh, fifty-four to thirty-five. I DVR'd that game and watched most of it uh, in in you know the Saturday evening hours. But when my son was like, he said, "No, nah, Dad, I'm you know I, I'm I'm taking his, the sounds that he made and putting words to them." But you know, if he if he could articulate, he said, "No, Dad, I don't want to watch this. I want to watch cartoons." So anyway, we switched over to cartoons, and I it didn't finish watching the game until Wednesday night. Uh, mostly, it was just you know the the last twelve or fourteen minutes of the game, uh, but. The the commentators, the, the Big Ten Network commentators, made an interesting statement, um, and, and I can't remember if they were quoting. I think, if if I remember correctly, they they were quoting or at least paraphrasing Tom Osborne when they when uh, uh, Doctor Tom said that Adrian Martinez had the ability. I, I guess it might be the operative word to go down as the best quarterback in Nebraska history. He's been saying that for a while now. That's that's it's really terrible that we're doing this to this kid because well, no, if no, you no. remember right, we did the same thing to Taylor Martinez. Except he Taylor was Martinez was completely deficient I'm, I'm, in I, I, a I, lot I, of quarterbacking areas. But but what I want I want to piggyback that comment on to what both of you were saying about throwing the football in November, and I don't know maybe. Adrian Martinez is is just the first quarterback Nebraska quarterback to do it successfully. Um, but, you know, as, as John was saying, he was winging it all over the place with great success uh, to the point where I believe he was Big Ten freshman of the year of, of the week. Uh, Divine Ozigbo was offensive player of the week uh, in the Big Ten. I mean, obviously, we'll talk about uh, Divine's big day. Um, but it, I'm, I'm not trying to put, in, you know, anything on uh, Adrian Martinez's shoulders, any added pressure, uh, you know, any. You know, I, I'll I'll talk about you know his legacy after his final chapter has been written at Nebraska. You know, hopefully four years from now. Um, uh, but it, it there was something different about watching him, you know, on Saturday versus watching other quarterbacks. And, and he was he, the the announcers, and, and maybe this is all just because I did watch the game. Uh, you know, the night that we're recording. And so everything's kind of fresh as far as what they were saying. But he looked very comfortable. And I know it's Illinois. Um, but he looked very comfortable uh, throughout the game. I think he had one uh, fumble. Um, just looked like he, he has a, a solid grasp of the offense. And there there's a reason to be excited for his, you know, the entirety of his career in Nebraska. Oh, well, you, you're, you're you know what? He's starting as a freshman, and usually freshman quarterbacks have an issue in the passing game. A lot of high school quarterbacks don't run really refined passing games, and when they get to college, it's you know refined and takes a lot of mechanics and reading coverage. This kid stepped right into it, and part of it's Scott Frost's offense forces teams to play man coverage against us so it simplifies his reads, but he can make all the throws. Like, even his incompletions don't look bad. You know, like when he throws an incompletion, you're going, okay, I can see what he was trying to do there. You can't say the same for a lot of quarterbacks we've had. And so when you look at where he's at as a freshman, if 
the progress and development is linear and just keeps going up, he's going to be the best we've ever had here. Maybe without the titles, you know, Taggy and Frazier and Frost, but, you know, statistically and also his impact in the game, what how he forces a defense to defend him. Like, Taylor Martinez can have the total offense record. Well, I think it was since broke by Tom, Tommy Armstrong. But even with Martinez's, it, Taylor Martinez's yards that he put up, he was still a liability in a lot of football games that we played. Adrian Martinez has not been a liability. That's a good point. That's a good point. I did have a question for you. Yeah, what's up? Uh, Haas. How, how hard does the wind have to blow <laughs> before it really affects the passing game? I think it would honestly have to be like, you know, anything more than 40 miles an hour. Really? And, that That's a stiff wind. Yeah, that's a stiff I mean, it, there have been some games like the 05 Oklahoma game. I remember it was in Lincoln, and it was a windy-ass day in late October. Zach Taylor was still throwing the ball with plenty of velocity and zip. Uh, the Texas game in 06 was windy and snowy. He was completing you know, passes. It's not so much wind that affects the passing game in November as it is like bitter, extreme cold. Now, I'm not talking like it's 27 degrees, but the wind chill feels like it's two. Like the temperature is still 27 degrees, you know, in relation to the air pressure inside the ball. But the when ball you have a night care. like in Arrowhead in 06 against Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game where it's single digit temperatures, that ball's going to feel like trying to throw a rock. And so it takes some pretty extreme conditions to affect the passing game. Did you didn't turn around and tell that guy behind you? You could have explained no. all of this. You could have just you could have said, "Sir, may I educate you on the finer points of throwing the ball in November?" He he had his kid with him. It looked like it was his kid's first Husker game. I didn't want to embarrass the guy in front of his was own he, kid. Was well, I education is never embarrassing, and you're a teacher. No, I. Uh, the patience that I display with seventh graders is not the patience I display with adults who are just ignorant. Okay, I'll remember that when we get together again. <laughs> oh, you're going to drive me nuts, probably. Yeah, okay, I wanted to ask that question because I thought, you know, I mean, they had like wind gusts up to 25 miles an hour last Saturday, and I thought, you know, it's, it's not, there's no effect on what me, Adrian Martinez passing whatsoever. I mean, he threw some high balls. He missed some targets. Mm-hmm. But even when he misses, I mean, he's still, like you said, you can tell what he's doing. And, and I mean, when he's missing, you're, you're like, he missed a pass. Like, you're shocked by this. Yeah, the incompletion that he had where he overthrew Cade Warner in the end zone where, on the drive where we had to settle for a field goal, that was such a beautiful ball that he threw. And, like, it pained me not only to, you know, not get the points from a touchdown, but it just pained me that that good of a throw was incomplete. And, you know, it's all for Knox. We ended up winning 54-35. But, like, that incompletion, I think that was when I turned to my buddies and I said, even the incompletions are pretty. Let's talk. I mentioned him uh, a few minutes ago, uh, running back who the announcers didn't, I don't want to say they didn't dwell on it, but they certainly mentioned that at the beginning of the season was uh, number three on the depth chart. 
uh, behind uh, Greg Bell, who since obviously departed, Maurice Washington, the, the true freshman. And that's Devine Ozigbo, your senior, who has become uh, you know, not not only just you know a, a workhorse or, or a beast, but a, an offensive machine. Um, closing in on a thousand yards, he'll probably have it in the Michigan State game. Um, he's you know forty five, fifty five, something like that yards away from a thousand yards, and and the first uh, running back, Nebraska running back, to rush for a thousand since uh, Amir Abdullah in two thousand fourteen. Not what I think he's kind of uh, you know built his name for you know especially this season is the you know the chunks of yards that he gets you know the five six seven eight yard runs uh but against illinois and and again i I hate throwing out the caveat of well it was illinois um but against illinois he had two runs of 60 plus yards which in the last touchdown uh, which was i think a 60 or 61 yarder uh when he got to the edge he went down that sideline like a jet uh this is a guy who has worked hard uh, it has paid dividends, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's uh, if his name is called probably on Saturday of draft day. Uh, I think he has had that good of a senior year now that he has had an opportunity to showcase his abilities, and I think that uh, you know obviously I want the best for him. You know, at, at the remainder of his Nebraska career, but he's he's got a tremendous upside uh when when he's you know the quote-unquote every down back yeah and who would have thought that he turned into a big play running back that, that's what i'm saying awesome. it, it, that it, going well, by here's going. It, i tweeted this saturday and i think it's true it proved that he does really well in cold weather and therefore should be drafted by green bay actually green bay is one of the teams that's been scouting him the most yeah and see there that up and I, his, that would actually make me have to root for the Packers a little bit. God, that, mm, not I don't like that. To to uh, add on, they're to, America's team. No, they're not. Shut up. Um, add on to that, Hoss. Uh, I appreciate what all Huskers do in uh, in the NFL in in the professional level, uh, but I'm not going to root for them if they're not a Steeler. And since very few Huskers are Steelers. <laughs> Uh, you know, like when Rex Burkhead was a Cincinnati Bengal, dead to me. Uh, what about when Adrian Martinez takes over for Ben Roethlisberger? Perfectly fine. Bring it on. Welcome it. Um, and, and 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 to that, uh, you know, I I look at somebody like Muhammad Barry and I'm like, ooh, I think he'd do very well as a as an inside linebacker in Pittsburgh. But anyway. Um, He'd be a great New England Patriot. Shut the fuck He'd up. He'd be a good Packer. I, I hate you all. John, aren't you a Vikings fan? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? I just always assumed. How could I root for a franchise that every year of their existence, they disappointed? They let their fans down every single year. Well, you are a Nebraska fan. Hey, we, uh, my life has been pretty good with Nebraska football. We're working on getting your young lives to the yeah. same point mine is. That's true. Yeah, you guys, you guys have had it good. You, uh, you, you took all, you used up all the good years, John. You left none for us. Yeah, just like how the baby boomers mortgaged everyone's future in this country. Yeah, you still let us live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just seems like it's cheaper than killing you. 
We probably shouldn't go into that. No, okay. we don't have the heart um, to pick John Daniels. Everybody, Johnson. everybody knows. I'm kidding. Um, so we're at this point of, of the show, and obviously we're we're going to talk more football. Uh, at, but it's time, guys. At the 20 minute and 25 second mark, we're going to bring Patrick in, and he's going to join our football conversation, and then we'll talk some basketball. Okay. Perfect. This will be fun. I don't think we've ever done a, a four-way. Evening. This is, this is a first for the Five Heart Podcast. That We are now, it, it's no longer a triple threat. It is now a fatal four-way. Uh, four different, uh, hey, four different phone lines, four different uh, parts of the world as we welcome Patrick Gerhardt to, to the show. And, and uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk Nebraska ball. But, Patrick, we're, we've been talking about uh, the, the football win over Illinois. We just got uh, done talking a little bit about Divino Zigbo and, and the season that he's had. Uh, what has been, since we haven't had you on the show yet to talk really much football, what's been your uh, favorite part of, of the football season so far? Uh, the wins. No, okay. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Now, see, I, he's right to the point with that. See, it, it, no, it's 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 been a fun year. I, I honestly, uh, to get deep into it, I would say just watching this team develop so quickly as the year's gone on. Um, you don't usually see that for any sporting team. I think the way that that Scott has made this team turn out. I think uh, Haas's words are incremental improvement, and it's been great to see every game since the Michigan game. Well, Florida State sure as hell witches they were us. Oh, God. I watched that Notre Dame-Florida State game Saturday night. That was, they were terrible. I, I'm not sure Willie survives this year. Really? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they made a move. I, yeah, I think That's just, bad. They, it, it would be, it, their whole team just doesn't seem to care about anything. It's amazing to can, that with the, the, the talent they have – that their offensive line just, honest to God, can't block at all. Yeah. It's, I mean, to be fair, Jimbo didn't exactly leave behind a great program. It had kind of rotted in the few years since their playoff appearance and for the 14 season. He had an offensive line coach, didn't like to hit the road recruiting and Rick Trickett. And uh, he could, you know, Jimbo wasn't really planning on leaving until late last year. Left them in a lurch, but they're not as bad as Taggart's made them look. I mean, that's two years ago, Florida State beat Michigan in the Orange Bowl. Now they're probably not even going to be bowl eligible. Speaking of bowl eligibility, Nebraska currently at uh, three and seven. I do foresee, you know, more success, more wins uh, coming in, in the remainder of the season. If Nebraska gets to five and seven, and I know that a lot of other chips have to fall into place, uh, would you guys be all right with them going to a bowl at five and seven like they did in Riley's first year? Of course I would. More football and more of an opportunity for them to get better. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, and I'm going to make everybody sad. Oh, God. Nebraska football season is over in a week. That makes me sad. Do you get that in your heads? Yes, that, that's why, like, okay, the Iowa game, being in Omaha, the cultural hearth of Nebraska, 
The Iowa game is my Super Bowl. I know too many damn Iowa fans. I deal with them every day. So it's always going to be a big game. It being the last game of the season, even with a win, it'll likely be the last game of the season. That just adds extra juice to this thing. Like, I, I wish the game was, you know, this week. I, like, I skip forward past Michigan State. Let's get on to Iowa. You guys talk amongst yourselves. I just looked in my son's monitor, and apparently he's decided to take all of his clothes and diaper off. So uh, talk amongst yourselves. We're going to continue recording. Make sure that it's uh, it doesn't even have to be Husker-related. Just talk amongst yourselves. You sure that was your son, or was that John? Oh, and he's peeing. You know what? Nobody ever comes when I do that anymore. He's peeing on the bed. I got to go. Well, nobody ever comes when I do that either, <laughs> except the police. Uh, John. This is why we, we don't have an expense budget anymore. Yes, it is. It's uh, bail money and whatever. <laughs> Lawyer's fees. John, I think this would be a great time for you to tell us one of your favorite stories from when you were an undergrad going into football game. Yes. Well, okay. Like what? Well, I will say this. Uh, I mean, here's the thing about Nebraska football that it, that makes it one of the unique things I think about Nebraska fans is that, by and large, our fan base understands football better than most of the other college football fans in the nation. I'll say that, and I think that. Compared to when you go to other stadiums or when you go to other games at other places, well, I'm going to leave the NFL out of this because they're a completely different fan set. Uh, that's why you do not see drunken brawls a lot, right? Because I think most Nebraska fans don't, they don't go to the games to get completely hammered. Now, when I was a student, I usually went to the games and I actually was not hammered when I went to the games because I really loved football. And I'm sure that, you know, some of my old college roommates or somebody would go, that's a complete lie. But I, I mostly saved my drinking for after the games. Now, guys, I think we talked about this a little while, couple episodes ago, but the guys I was with would drink Bacardi 151 before we would go to the games sometimes. And we would have to carry them out of the stadium at halftimes and things like that. And that was uh, back before, that was back when Bacardi 151 was like really hardcore. Or, right? Well, I mean, it was, you know, 151 proof. I mean, it was, it was flat out dangerous fire. It was dangerous alcohol. I mean, you know, I could blow fire out of my mouth with it. It was fun. But it was also very nasty stuff. Uh, the other thing is, is when you went to games back then, like when we had cold games like then, back then, we, you obviously bulked up with your clothing, right? That just gave you more room to stuff a Boda bag up your arm. I don't know if you guys know what a Boda bag is. I do. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and you weren't searched like you are now, and, and they didn't scan the crowd with cameras. You know what I mean? I can distinctly remember a friend of mine being on the Tom Osborne show when they scanned the stadium, and there was my friend Stan literally standing up in the middle of the student section when everybody else is sitting down with a big bottle in his mouth that he's chugging with a bag over it in the middle of the student section. And they're like, they show this on the Tom Osborne show. And you're like, okay, Stan, good job. But uh, I mean, everybody pretty much carried stuff in. And 
I don't think we ever threw it. People didn't have, we didn't really have a lot of problems with it. You just had a lot of people that were pretty hammered at the games. Back then, uh, were there a lot of, when, when were the games during the day? Like, was there a lot of day drinking before that allowed this? Or was it, you know, morning games? How was it? Well, because a lot, most of them weren't on TV, they were scattered, I think. And, and this going, I'm relying on a crappy memory. But here's the thing. The 1982 Oklahoma game was one of the, one of the earlier night games, quote-unquote night games. And I think it started, like, at 5 p.m. Something oh, like wow. that. Right? Yeah. I, I want to say 5 or 6 p.m. And the problem with that was, is we were all used to going to games at, like, noon or 1 o'clock. Okay, so we'd have, we'd have what you call beer breakfast, where everybody, there'd be a keg of beer, everybody'd drink like red beer, beer before the game, and then we'd all go to the game at noon or one o'clock or something like that. Uh, you know, sometimes 11, but not very often. But the problem with the five o'clock game is everybody was used to starting at 11. So by the time five rolled around, everybody smoked. I mean, that whole crowd, the 1982 Oklahoma game was extremely cold it was it was probably 20 degrees on the field and the windshield was in the single digits and nobody knew you know what i mean nobody could feel it nobody cared and that was the game and before that game there was this tradition that every time nebraska scored uh people would throw oranges on the field and if you look at old games back then you'll see them whenever we score there's just massive numbers of oranges flying to the football field into the end zone and in that game, an official was hit in the back of the head with an orange that was frozen. And he was, suffered an injury from it, and it ended his officiating. And that was the end of anybody ever throwing anything on the field anymore. Uh, but I did write a story back in, like, actually I wrote a story that uh, appeared in the book Huskerville that was written by my roommate, uh, Roger Aiden. And it was about the 1982 Oklahoma game, and I'll... I'll I won't tell the whole thing, but here's the thing about that game. First of all, it was Oklahoma. Secondly, it was a night game. Third, everybody was pretty smoked. And fourth, we're winning. My season ticket or our student tickets at that time were like on the 30-yard line, about 20 rows up. So they're really good tickets. But toward the end of the game, all the students start milling. We climb the fence, and I'm standing right at the edge of the field with a police officer in front of me. Okay. With about 20 seconds left at the other end of the field, Scott Strasburger intercepts an Oklahoma pass, and that's the end of the game. I mean, that's, this seals the game for Nebraska. That whole end of the end zone, all the students run onto the field. It takes a while to clear them off. Uh, we get a 15-yard penalty, but then everybody, you know, the clears them off. We kneel down, and the gun goes off, and the game's over, Okay. <clears throat> At this point, I am literally, when you hear the phrase swept off your feet, that's exactly what happens is I don't even move and I'm literally carried from the sideline to right underneath the, the goalpost without moving. I didn't run there. I just was picked up and carried by the swell of the crowd behind me. And uh, people are, we're trying to tear down the goalposts and people are jumping with their hands in the air up, Right. So you get one side that would jump up and try to grab it, and they'd all lunge in one direction, and then the other side would lunge back. And somehow in all of this, I fell down. 
and I'm laying on the ground, and people are trampling me, and all I can see is dark darkness and shoes, and uh, I had a straw hat on, and I tried to grab my hat, and I'm like, I'm not thinking about I'm going to die here, but I am getting stepped on and being smashed, and I hear this guy scream, get him off the ground, get him off the ground, get him off the ground, and he was a really huge guy, and he literally just parted the crowd with his arms, reached down, grabbed my chest, and lifted me up on my feet and set me on my feet, and I said, you just saved my life. And I ran the hell out of there to the 50-yard line, okay? So I get to the 50-yard line, and there's a, dude, what the hell? What, what, what are you guys doing? Like gargling? I'm drinking a beer just listening oh, okay. to you. Okay, don't I, call me long-winded ever again. <laughs> I get to the 50-yard line. There is a student sitting in his underwear. <laughs> Was it you? No, it wasn't me. It wasn't my double. It was another guy sitting on the logo at the 50-yard line. He's sitting in his underwear, sitting there, and he's eating an orange. And and he freaks me out. It's kind of like, this is so surreal. And I turn around, and I see this other student, and he's laying on the ground motionless. And I'm like, what the hell? And these two guys, these two medical guys, are coming up to him with a stretcher, and just as they lay the stretcher down next to him, he gets up and runs away. And I stop, and there's a picture back in Sports Illustrated that illustrates this exactly. And I stop, and I look around, and somebody has set off smoke bombs all over the place, but the stadium, it it looks like, I don't know, like a a pandemonium and a riot, and I, I don't know if it's a celebration like a Mardi Gras without beads and nude women. I don't know what it, it's just, it's wild. I mean, it's just wild. And there's a guy, there's a kid standing on the goalpost as they tear it down, you know, and he's standing and he's pointing out kind of like to the future, you know, and the goalpost falls over. And then all the students pick the goalpost up and they try to run in one direction, but the other half tries to run in the other direction. So they both flatten each other to the ground and then they put this, basically, they pick the goalpost up. And I'm thinking, I'm going to follow these guys because normally what they do is they cut the goalpost up and they, I wanted a piece of it. But what they did is they ran over and they threw it in the fountain, Royal Fountain at that time, which was out in front of the student. And then everybody just ran off and partied. And that, that, that was the 1982 Oklahoma game. Students nowadays are weak. They are. Well, I think that I think the problem They're is they're too busy they, ripping on their jewels and the, playing Fortnite. The problem yeah. is the problem is, is you can't know. get away with anything. You know what well, I mean? You, you could. You, it just depends on how badly you want it. No, nowadays you you really can't. And today you really can't get away with a lot nowadays. No, you I mean really we can't. have security cameras everywhere. Everything's like a crime. Everything's on social media. Everything is, is, oh my God, this could ruin your career for life because you flipped somebody off that was a father. You know what I mean? Everything is so overblown. You punched a guy in the face one time, your life is over. Okay. A, guy, a kid shoots a three in a high school game and the defender comes up and pops him in the face. That was, yeah, that was tonight, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that one video. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, if, if, if everybody listening, there's a, there's a video out there, at least on Twitter, of a high school game. This one kid shoots a three, and a defender came, comes up when the ref is not looking at all, 
and cold cocks him, drops him, and uh, and, and, and and runs away. If if I'm is it a dumb decision? Sure. Does it make him Adolf Hitler? No. Yeah, that's true. If I remember correctly, two things uh, about that video. One, I think it was a D three college, uh, and two, well, then that explains why they look like high schoolers. Right, and, and two, uh, the the defender actually right before he, I mean, he doesn't, I mean, he clotheslines like that's a running lariat in in WWE speak. Uh, but he looks over his shoulder at the at the baseline official first just to make sure that he's not looking, and then he just mows over the kid. Yeah, it was it was nasty. So, did you have to burn the bed? No, uh, fortunately, uh, he he did not pee. Like I'm looking in the monitor, and and he was like on all fours, like he was going to pee. <laughs> uh, he did not pee. I just had to put his clothes back on, and then I, uh, you know, sat with him for a minute and scratched his back, and and uh, and he's still awake. But that's all right. We do the best. Did we you can. tape? Did you tape them on him with the duct tape? No, I gotta fi- find something. This this is not like earlier today before I got home from work. He did something similar. Uh, and my wife was uh, the victim. Like same thing, uh, he was in his room, stripped down completely, and then he—that's when he did pee on the bed. And and I heard about that, and that's the kind of day that she had with him today. So I, I gave him ice cream. That was my mistake. That's probably why he's still awake. Yeah, my, my wife never gives me ice cream past eight. Wife probably never gives you anything. Wow, let's move on. to Let's get back to sports, you bastards. Let's move on. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is so funny. Yeah, that, that's it. No, wait. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, so where do we leave off? What were we talking about? Uh, you're John, was, John, John, John was giving us a rundown of the 1882 uh, Oklahoma game. Oh, okay. Which one? 1882. 1882, perfect. Uh, yes, it was uh, just after the North won, and uh, they were both, of course, they were both territories at the time in 1882, I remember, and uh, I think, right? I, I don't know. I should, oh, my no, God. No, no, no Nebraska were. became a state in 1867. Yeah. Oklahoma didn't become a state until 1912. I was half right. Get off my shit. And the war <laughs> ended in 1865, Greg. I said it was just over. I didn't say how close. Well, you know, it lingered. It lingered. (laughs) You're from Illinois. We're the Wild West anyway. Well, here's the thing. You know, it's not like there was very reliable communication system set up back then. There was no Internet. There was no Google. They were probably still hashing it out. They were, you know, they were probably still uh, warring uh, villages in Kansas and Nebraska dueling. You don't know. I mean, like, uh, they probably shot the Pony Express guy because they didn't believe him. They called him fake news or something. I don't know. They probably forgot to bring the Pony Express guy. Probably forgot to bring the next copy of Huskers Illustrated. That's what it was. <laughs> Bug Eaters Illustrated. Bug Eaters <laughs> Illustrated. Yes. Well played. With John J. Blackjack Pershing on the cover. <laughs> so, uh, we, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Should we go to basketball? Did we finish talking about football? I know Haas wanted to talk X's and O's about the Michigan State game. Well, that's we could do basketball and then do Michigan State. Okay. Well, let's do basketball and then do I'm Michigan State. I'm not a chart. You're the, uh, you're the guy. I don't even pay attention to basketball until What the, the hell? 
So basketball it is. Uh, well, have a nice night, guys. We have, a, we have a decent team. You can at least learn something from listening to Patrick. I just, you know. No, he can't. I, I enjoy basketball, <laughs> but I don't shut off from football mode. Actually, January 15th, a little early. I really don't shut off from it until after the Super Bowl. Well, that's fun. I take my one month sabbatical where I don't think about it much, and then spring ball starts. Well, that's your own fault. Yeah. Well, yeah. Haas. Yeah, I bed every morning. As we get older, we learn that the, the better off we are is when we have more tools in our toolbox. Hmm. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's very fast. And Corn Nation has very plenty fast. of tools in its toolbox. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. We're all tools here. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I think you're referring to me. No, J- John's the uh, 12-pound sledgehammer. I like that. Okay. <laughs> Without the power and brute force. Well, let, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, this Nebraska ball squad. Um, by the way, they they are as we record this again. It's Wednesday night, so it is the uh, after uh, they won uh, at home against Seton Hall. And Patrick, uh, Seton Hall is a team to me that when I think of you know college basketball, I it's one of those teams that pops up. It, not you know a power five necessarily but it, it's a, it, it's a team that for one reason or another it just is i don't know if it's you know the conference that they played in when you know 20 years ago when i was you know watching this stuff at home I, it seems like seton hall is always on tv uh, a pretty story program would you say yeah they are i mean historically especially in the 80s and 90s seton hall was one of those teams those small little East of us teams that did really well in in, in basketball, uh, usually going to the NCAA tournament, and then for about ten years, mainly in the two thousands, uh, they they hit some rough spots. They didn't do anything for about ten years there, and uh, you know the last three years they made the NCAA tournament. They're playing well in the Big East. Last year they had a great year, making it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Um, unfortunately, they lost three of their top scores. Uh, or just, you know, in defenders, too, because Seton Hall is known for their defense. But uh, they lost their top players last year. Um, they recruited well. Uh, they will be okay next year and in the future. But this is this is kind of a down year for them in the Big East. Um, so, I mean, they started out strong tonight. But, uh, you know, in the long run, you know, Nebraska came out and whooped them pretty well, 80-57. Uh, Nebraska wasn't pretty in the win, but it was good enough for sure. So, I mean, it's we didn't get the best Seton Hall team we could probably get, but it's it's still a decent team and one of the stronger basketball conferences out there. You mentioned the Big East. Uh, as you said, one of the stronger you know, college basketball conferences. I mean, when, when you look at, at that conference up and down, they're always putting multiple teams in the tournament, it seems. Oh yeah, no. It's um, it, it's a conference made up of pretty much strictly basketball schools historically, all pretty much mainly in the Big East. I mean, for for you football folk out there, uh, <laughs> if it, if you remember back in the '80s, Penn State tried to get in, and the Big East pushed them away because Penn State didn't have a a, bas- a, a storied basketball program. And I think, you know, for a while there, that was looking like the big uh, mistake that the Big East did until the whole realignment happened and Big East literally became a basketball conference. But, yeah, no, I mean, 
Big East, it's all these small liberal art schools, um, a lot of them Catholic based, and um, they've got they've all got good history for the most part of playing good basketball. Well, nobody gives a shit about Seton Hall anymore. Nebraska's beaten them. So uh, <laughs> let's talk about the, the, the first three games that Nebraska had because it was I, I, the first time maybe in, in school history, or, or I, I guess I don't know if we can count the Wayne State game, um, but it needs to be said that for three games, uh, Nebraska held their opponents to 40 points or less, and that's, that's an impressive stat right there. That's impressive for anybody. I mean, the first three games, again, if you want to count the exhibition against Wayne State, um, all lesser teams for sure. But, I mean, just the fact that you were able to put your bench in and keep that score down um, against anybody is impressive. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, Mississippi Valley State, I think, you know, had four total wins at all last year. Southeastern Louisiana um, you know, they only got beat by, I think, 11 by number 23-ranked LSU last week. So, I mean, they're not terrible, but, you know, they're not, they're not Seton Hall. So it's, you know, up, up until tonight, it's, it's been hard to gauge how Nebraska's been. But, yeah, I mean, the fact that they've kept these teams under 40 points is, is impressive for anybody, if you ask me. I agree with you. Some of the, I mean, first of all, we got to go back to the end of last season and perhaps even more so around NBA draft time because there was a chance that we would lose two prolific members of last year's team, James Palmer Jr. and uh, Isaiah Copeland. Uh, Isaac Copeland. Isaiah. Isaiah Roby, Isaac Copeland. Um, I, I, was, I had the first three letters, right? Get off. Um, but anyway, they're back. So you got those two guys. You have uh, Glenn Watson Jr. Isaiah Roby has really uh, started strong, and and to the point where uh, there was a, a, I believe they called it an exclamation point dunk at, uh, with about two or so minutes left in that Seton Hall game, uh, a little alley-oop from uh, Watson to Roby, and Roby is, if he stays healthy, he's that that piece of the puzzle that I think, you know, helps propel Nebraska to the next uh, level, the next uh I don't know if the upper echelon is the right phrase, but certainly, you know, the, the, ne- the next level, the next tier of uh, uh, competitive ability. Now, R- Roby really does. I mean, he has the height we need, and he's got the athleticism to push that even farther forward. Last year, he started out a little rough his sophomore year and was kind of hit or miss, but, you know, ended, ended the season pretty strong. He, as long as he stays healthy, should be a major key in this year's team. Uh, another one who started was uh, Allen, who uh, only had seven points this last game, but he's come on really, really strong. And, you know, honestly, a lot of the bench has yet to be terribly tested, but I wouldn't be surprised if one of those guys, um, you know, it, you know, whether it's Nana at Kinton, I'm going to butcher his name. You're, I, it's, I, I struggle with names too, guys. Don't feel too bad. Um, or whoever it is, you're going to see some bench players, I think, really come out once the season gets going because once we hit conference, we're going to need our bench. And Tanner Borchardt played well tonight when he had his minutes. He did. He, Tanner, Tanner played really well. I mean, he only ended up with two points, but, you know, he, I think he ended at seven or eight rebounds. Yeah. Something like he, that. He, I blocked mean, that. He blocked out that huge, like, foreign – what was that guy from Georgia? I think that uh, – Atlanta. Former point. 
The seven foot two guy whose name you'd never pronounce in a million years. He's a forward. Um, Matt Sandro, wasn't it? Yeah, San, is Sandro Memukeleshvili? <laughs> yeah, that guy. For, and he was from Tbilisi, Georgia. <laughs> Tbilisi. Is, is that is that a Tbilisi. suburb of uh, is that a suburb of Atlanta? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Haas is. Haas is drinking beer. I'm drinking scotch. Oh, okay. So oh, we got ourselves. <laughs> sure. I had some. Water. I do hang out with old C. But no, I think Barshart, he got his minutes in. Even Brady Hyman got into the game. Yeah, no, I mean, and Brady, Brady I think Brady's got a good future. If he could hit the gym well. In fact, I was talking with a guy on Twitter earlier about it. If, if he can hit the gym, put on some weight. And just train his butt off. Um, you know, he's he he's a good athlete, but he's not you know high level like a lot of these guys are. He could really become something for us. Let, let's talk a little bit about the you know the schedule, the slate uh, in the next week or so. Uh, the Hall of Fame Classic is this upcoming Monday and Tuesday, and mm-hmm. that's going to be in Kansas City. They start with Missouri State Monday night. Uh, six o'clock, and that's going to be on ESPNU uh, for anybody who's interested. And then the their following uh, night, uh, who, who? What are the other two teams in that Hall of Fame Classic, Patrick? Uh, if I remember right, I think it's Texas Tech and USC. Okay, I think I think it's one of those two teams we could play. Um, honestly, I haven't boned up on either one of those. I know Texas Tech had a decent year last year, but those those could be some decent games. Is uh-huh. it is it just me or does Missouri State feel a little out of place? You know, in, in that in that quartet of teams, it's like one of these things you shouldn't belong here. You got no, no. They're a decent program. Yeah, they're they're. I hey, think you're talking pick- to the coronation Jasker here. You know. Oh my God! I, I forgot this balance. shit. Weren't you supposed to shut up until we got basketball <laughs> back to football? I you bastard! Hustle up some trouble. <laughs> I, I think Southwest, whatever the hell they are, there aren't East they picked to State. Very astute yeah. observation, John. Yeah, aren't, aren't they uh, picked to win the Missouri Valley or something? Oh, now uh, that now that Creighton got all a hundred K'd. Hey, at least Creighton's <laughs> willing to play the game. Uh, <laughs> and this is where people lost their faith in Hoss. Hey, everybody does it. You know, Nick Nolte and Blue Chips even did it. That was a beautiful movie. Coach Pete Bell. I love that movie. One of my all-time favorites. An so, Omaha guy. Yeah. Westside and Benson. So we've got the Hall of Fame Classic. Then a uh, couple days after Thanksgiving, uh, the Saturday without Husker football, uh, is Western <laughs> Illinois. But, hey, but we'll all be celebrating. Who Creighton had a 50 burger. I am with a Friday that day. Say, say that again, Patrick. I remember break. Creighton struggled a little bit against Western Illinois, if I remember right. Well, Creighton's a garbage team and a garbage program. They are pretty awful this year. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, <laughs> then, the, then the fun begins uh, in in just a, about a week and a half or so from from when this podcast drops. The uh, annual ACC Big Ten Challenge uh, and Nebraska drew Clemson, uh, which seems like they always draw Clemson. Is that? Is that inaccurate? We played them. I think this will be the third third time in four years we've played them. 
it, this is the first time I think in the ACC challenge. We've played them a couple other times just throughout okay. the seasons. Cle- Clemson's actually okay. The ACC is, for, as far as I can tell, going to be loaded this year, and Clemson's like picked number eight there, and and that means nothing. Uh, Clemson's a good team. Uh, they're going to struggle in the ACC because the ACC is going to beat them up. But this is probably Clemson is probably at least right now in my mind Nebraska's first really tough possible loss coming up. And, and, and that's what I was getting. And, and look, I I say this not because you know I I, I don't know I nothing against Clemson, um, but is there are they the ACC and Big Ten uh, conferences are they making these you know, matchups based on previous years' records and standings? I mean, is there is there a reason why Nebraska's not getting a Duke or North Carolina? I mean, are, are they – is that just because the more story programs they, are going to like – They try to, to match up well. Okay. All right. From I, my understanding, they, they, they try to at least. I mean, I, 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 th- I think we played Wake Forest like two years in a row or something at one point. I, uh, you, the reason why Nebraska is not going to get a Duke is because nobody will watch that game. I would watch it. It'd be the yeah, only... you would, but you know what I mean? The national audience is not going to go, oh, it's Duke's Nebraska in basketball. Holy shit. You know what I mean? That's who we are. Yeah. No, you're right. I get it. Duke, Michigan, you'll go, oh, Duke, Michigan. Maybe I'll watch that. I wouldn't watch that. But you're an angry person. <laughs> hey. hey, that's what makes the world go around sometimes. So <laughs> after the, the ACC Big Ten Challenge, uh, they've got – uh, a home and away uh, to open up Big Ten play. They go or, or at home against Illinois. Speaking of yeah. the Illini, and then and this is now into the first week of December. Then they're on the road at Minnesota, and then those Dirty Birds from O Town uh, are in town at Pinnacle Bank Arena, Creighton, and that's going to be mark your calendars, folks. Saturday, December eighth. And then uh, they bounce around a little bit. They have Oklahoma State, Cal State, Fullerton, uh, Southwest Minnesota State, and they don't really get into the bulk of, of the Big Ten schedule until the beginning of January. Why do they break that? They give you like a little conference tease, a little conference taste, and then they, then they uh, uh, pull it away and, and, and throw some more non-con at you. I think the Big Ten just decided to do that. I don't. I never. I've never really read a reason why they exactly tried to. I. You know, one thing that might have something to do with it is that they finally went to a twenty-team conference schedule this year. Okay. So it's definitely loaded, and More they BTN. might have. And and they may have just decided that they wanted to spread it out a little bit into December. Um, I. Some people have issue with it. I. I honestly could care less. Um, but it, I, I, th- I think it's perfectly fine. It's important to note because traditionally, haven't Nebraska and Creighton played each other twice in the season? Nope. You, you know, people, you know, you and my dad <laughs> think that. Um, a lot of people do, you know, that it's, it's a home-and-home home series, and it never has. Okay. And I don't know where that comes from. Yeah, probably no, they, they do that in baseball. Baseball. Probably comes from baseball. Actually, I think, don't they play three times in baseball? Yes. Oh, will yes. you stop nitpicking, Patrick? Damn. What I said? Stop nitpicking. <laughs> um. So that that all right? So that's uh, the game. I was looking down the schedule, and I'm like, I feel like we're missing a Creighton game. But no, what you said. Uh, apparently, me and your dad are the only ones who think logically. Um, uh, yeah. No. Well, I, you know what? If you think about it, it makes sense. You it, know yeah. why not? You'd get tons of money out of it. Both fan bases would show up. Yeah. Even though the good people of Lincoln have to drive all the way to stinky Omaha. I, w- I want to make a point 
so the people that are listening to this, before we go into the Big Ten season, I want to make a point. Last year, I went to the Nebraska-Minnesota game up here. Okay? Okay. Shot, you shot good pictures. I shot that game, and I was in the... I was in John, the we got to find with, a different phrase for you, man. Well, I was in the media area before the game, and I asked the Minnesota people, I said, what is your complete home record here in Minnesota? And they're like, well, what? And I pointed out... Uh, what is your home record, your home record in this building, in the barn, Williams Arena? And it's, it's up in the high 70s, okay? So when you go on the road in the Big Ten, it's extremely difficult to win on the road. And if you go into a place like Williams Arena here in Minnesota, I mean, they win like 75% or 70% of their games. And so home field advantage for basketball is, I think, way different than it is for football. And I think Nebraska fans, and I, I love you Nebraska fans, but you're ignorant of basketball. That's how it works. You have to understand this, that when you go on the road in basketball and you lose a game, sometimes to a team you shouldn't have lost, it is much more difficult to play in those arenas, especially in the Big Ten, than it is just going into a football field. And more importantly, on that note, to add on to what you just said, it's okay if you lose some of those games. It's not the end of the world, which I think Nebraska fans, I'm not going to say Nebraska ball fans because Nebraska ball fans get it, but Nebraska fans have a hard time when you lose those random games. It, is it, I mean, obviously you have uh, different sized venues. You know, uh, uh, the basketball arena is going to hold maybe fourteen to 18,000, give or take, where you know, in the Big Ten, a, a football stadium can hold a hundred thousand or more. Um, but you all, it's also closed in, so you have all that sound that's going towards, you know, the court rather than up in the air. Um, but you also see some really, for lack of a better term, coordinated, you know, fan and student sections. And I'm not talking about you know like uh, Penn State where they alternate, uh, you know, the uh, sections and you know wearing what colored, you know, shirts and whatnot, but. But they, they, they're they very involved, far more, I think. You, than... you, you, you want another story? Yes. I'll yeah. tell you another story. Okay, it's a, I'd say it's about 1992 before any of you bastards were probably even born. I was born but, in 92, uh, Paul. Nine. Blah, blah, whatever. I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I care. But here's the thing. I go to the Minnesota, I think it's one of the first gopher games I ever went to at the barn. A friend of mine got me tickets. We're at the game. Nebraska is playing, obviously. It's before the Big Ten. There's about a minute 45 left. Nebraska is up by eight or nine points, and this friend of mine taps me on the shoulder, and he says, I think you're about to find out why this place is called the barn. And I'm like, what? And at that moment, all of the gopher fans stood on their feet and started clapping and they started stomping their feet, and their frickin' building started shaking. And I'd never been there before, and it's shaken to the point that you're like, buildings should not shake like this. And Nebraska had the ball on an inbounds play, and they literally could not even inbounds the ball, and that's when nobody was guarding them. Because it was just, it was deafening, and the shaking of the building was just kind of like freaking them out. They ended up losing that game. And that's what home field advantage on a basketball court is. And you just explained why I prefer the old arenas versus the new ones. There's something about those old places. It's not just the history. It's not just the look. But there's a feel to those 
old buildings that you just don't have in, let's say, a Pinnacle Bank Arena, which is a beautiful place. But there's something there in those old places that, that, that with college basketball is just awesome. There you go, Craig. <laughs> he ran off with his kid again. Evidently, <laughs> there must have been a uh, flash flood. I'm going to move right. on. You, you, know, know you know what? Here's the thing. If uh, here's when I was younger, if I took my clothes off and everybody went, put your clothes back on. Uh, if they didn't watch, I'd just take them off again. <laughs> I got a feeling that's still this. That's still the standard. It's possible. <laughs> There's too many people in my house. I wish they. You know what? At some point, Haas is gonna have to go to bed. Do you guys want me to kind of give you an idea of how the Big Ten is gonna be this year? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Big We're Ten. We're gonna wait yeah, you know what? You know, we we might. You never know. Um, no, Big Ten is, as far as I can tell, going to be very top heavy this year, and, and there's a lot of teams that are going to be we don't know to probably really really bad, uh, which is going to help a strong Nebraska team. Um, if we're not ending the year in the top five, I would be surprised. Um, Michigan, even though they they're losing some players, they're still off. Awesome. They beat the crap out of Villanova tonight. Um, Michigan State is, even though they just got beat by Kansas not too long ago, um, they're still going to be good. Purdue lost, I think, four starters, but they're replacing all of them, and they should be just as good. Uh, Indiana should be improved from last year, even with the new coach. Maryland, I would say they keep getting in talent. They should be a top-notch team. Wisconsin should be better, but that doesn't mean anything. Then it kind of drops off. Minnesota, um, I don't see them being as good last, even last year after they lost Amir. Ohio State's going to be rebuilding. Penn State, I don't even know what to tell you about. Fran at Iowa used to be – I, I always kind of looked at basketball-wise as kind of what Nebraska – should be in other words they're good enough to hold the middle of the pack of the big 10 and make the tournament every two three years uh fran fran's kind of lost them in that the last couple of years they're going to be the northwestern they had a nice run that's over <laughs> illinois still struggling and then if you want to talk about another team that uh mirrors its football uh rutgers is also going to be absolutely uh, uh, terrible so, in a nutshell, there, there's a rundown of how Big Ten basketball probably will end up. Um, with that said, I would be, like I said, I would be surprised if it makes it worse than probably fifth out of all those teams at the end of the year. So, and without Greg to ask me any more questions, John, tell us another yes. story. No. <laughs> well, I, I, should we go back to football now? If you guys like to, might as well. Haas, we need X's and O's. X's and O's for Michigan State. Haas, you're still awake, right? Yes, I am. I'm here. I'm just listening to the coyotes howl out on the old prairie. Um, Coyote, dude, you live in Omaha. Don't even. Gretna. Gretna's Omaha. Don't even pull that. Yeah, basically, we're just a neighborhood in Omaha. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, Michigan State. I was actually thinking about this earlier in the week. 
you know, their rushing defense is ranked number one in the country, and it's going to be stout against the run. I think we're going to have to throw a lot to set up the run. I wouldn't be surprised if the running game doesn't get going until later in the game. And to start out the game, I think you'll see us throwing a lot of route combinations that are designed to exploit man coverage, a lot of picks, rub routes, um, just trying to get a good horizontal and vertical stretch with the route distribution. So it's going to take, you know, really being on top of it offensively to move the ball on these guys. Um, not a lot of room for error. Thankfully, their offense sucks. Their offense ranks 116th out of 128 teams in the country. So we shouldn't find ourselves in a shootout. But if we can throw the ball, protecting Martinez, and then getting guys open, I think you'll see us be able to run later in the game and maybe win something like 28-24, maybe 35-24 if the running game really gets clicking there at the end and we pull away. Okay, come on. Do you? We're going to misdirect these guys all over the place. Well, I would think so because they're going to come in with the same game plan that Illinois had. A lot of man coverage, leaving the free safety to account for the quarterback in the running game. And we're going to try to do what you saw, like on Ozigbo, two of Ozigbo's long touchdown runs were off of bash sweeps where we give the ball – read the DN to one side to give the ball to divine in space. And if the DN crashes on Martinez, we give him the ball. If the DN expands with Ozigbo or Mo or whoever's carrying the ball, Martinez keeps it and just follows the two polars backside guard, backside tackle on a quarterback counterplay. And I hate to give too much credit to Tim Beck, but Tim Beck ran the piss out of that play here in 2014. And so it's going to be, I think you'll see a lot of different concepts being called in this game to misdirect Michigan State. When Frost was the OC at Oregon in 2014, Michigan State went out there and played in Eugene, and they built a pretty good lead, but Oregon actually ended up coming back and then pulling away late to win like 46-27 or something like that. And a lot of it I misdirection and routes that you know picked apart man coverage. A lot of that was because Michigan State didn't do anything on offense the second half except try to run the ball up the middle for three yards at a time. Yeah, that's what I'm, you know, one thing that I'm concerned about this Saturday is that Michigan State, with their putrid offense but pretty stalwart defense, is that they're going to just completely ground the football and run it, you know, 50, 60 times in hopes that they pop a couple of big ones. And if they're able to pop a couple of big ones and move the sticks consistently, leaving us with only, you know, eight to ten possessions, it could be just kind of a very irritating game. And so if that's what Michigan State tries to do and on a day like what Saturday's shaping up to be, it's probably what they will do. I would say that if we're gonna have minimized possessions, we have to be extremely efficient. There's no room for error. Turnovers, penalties that kill drives, we've got to be on top of it. And Because uh, Michigan State's not going to beat themselves either. They're not going to commit stupid penalties that kill their own drives. Or when they're on defense, they're not going to commit penalties that extend our drives. So it's going to be a very fundamental game. 
So tell us more about Michigan State's defensive line. How do we match up against them? You know, earlier in the year, I probably would have been terrified. But I think with how we're developing in terms of run blocking, we should be able to get some displacement on the line of scrimmage against them. Pass protection is always going to be a little interesting, especially in that left side B gap between Gerald Foster and Brendan Hymas. But it's nice to have a quarterback who can throw on the run in Martinez and you know take off and run when protection breaks down or guys don't get open. So I, I'm more concerned with their safeties, though. Their safeties are physical. They come downhill. They're able to cover. So it's – that that defense is a vintage D'Antonio defense, like we saw, you know, from 2012 to 2014 when they were winning Rose Bowls and they beat Baylor in the uh, Cotton Bowl. So somebody, somebody somebody just left to get more scotch. No, I let dogs out. <laughs> well, we have the answer. Patrick let the dogs out. Who? 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 Oh, oh, my Greg. God. Well, the party oh, my God. I, I, I've been sitting here for the last few minutes and, and realized that I'm really not needed on the podcast. <laughs> oh, you're listening to the coach speak. I, you know, I've got, I've got you uh, uh, talking him up, coach, and I've got Patrick here, uh, you know, running the show. And, hey, if I ever want to go on vacation, it, I, I've got this thing covered. Somebody has to do the producing. Oh, yeah, crap. All right, I'll do it. Plus yeah, that, we'll, we'll just call plus, the guys at the Big Red Cobcast. Plus that, I, he, he said rub routes, and I got all tingly. <laughs> you know, every time I say rub routes, it's always just like a, uh, you know, kind of like a, uh. Those rub routes, and then you said go vertical. <laughs> go deep. Oh, jeez. And okay. in, in this segment of the show, we have uh, reverted back to our 13-year-old mindset. Hey, we're all, you know, that's the thing. No matter how old I get, I'm always just going to be a big 14-year-old at heart. Hey, don't mind me. I'm just sitting here dribbling my shorts. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What kind of scotch is it? Doers. Durr? Doers. Oh, doers. All I heard was dur. Dur. <laughs> yeah, doers man, a banquet man, a wino, and a... Greg, I don't even know what you drink. Beer. Good beer. Not Coors Banquet. <laughs> That's the nectar of the gods. You keep saying that, and yet there's only one god, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't drink Coors Banquet. I'm pretty sure god's a banquet man. It's like, uh, th- this is a, uh, this is a, a nerd nerd quote from the first Avengers movie. Uh, they're, they're talking about, uh, uh, you know, it's the first appearance. It's, it's basically the first time that Captain America meets Thor meets Iron Man, and they, uh, Black Widow says something to Captain America. She says, uh, uh, Cap, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, uh, he's like a god, and, uh, and Captain America says, ah, there's only one god, ma'am, and pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. So, s- same difference, except pretty sure he doesn't drink horse banquet. I bet Jesus drinks Coors Banquet as well. Nah, Jesus, even he had the good sense to turn water into wine. Nah, yeah, he's probably a wine guy. It was an MD-2020, though. Oh, God. Could you imagine? That That really changes the entire outlook of the wedding feast at Cana. It, it does. <laughs> That's how him and Judas had a falling out. Oh, 
Oh, you know, God. On the next Five okay. Heart Podcast, we're going to find <laughs> no, another I way to uh, insult everybody. <laughs> All right, so okay. uh, where are we at? Do we, are we ready for predictions? Are we ready to wrap this up? Do we have more yeah. X's and O's to talk we're, about or O's and X's? Oh, we talked. All we right. talked O's and X's. Here's the thing. Because I had to step away from the computer not once but twice because, again, my son got naked and decided to uh, leave his room. Uh, I'm actually going to have to go back and listen to this podcast because I wasn't there for all of it. I usually don't listen because I, I, I live it. I don't have to listen to it. Uh, but I'm actually going to have to go back and listen to it. So thank you, uh, my son, for uh, putting one more listener on the podcast, you butthead. Um, <laughs> doing his part. All right. So let's, let's do predictions. Let us. Uh, Haas, I know I, I heard a little bit of, of what you foresaw. Uh, could be uh, the uh, end result from Saturday's game uh, against Michigan State. But uh, do you want to use that as your honest-to-God prediction? Yep, honest-to-God prediction, Nebraska 35, Michigan State 24. Running game takes a little while to get clicking, but in the end it fires right up. All right. Patrick, do you have a, a Michigan State prediction? Uh, Nebraska 12, Michigan 9. Whoa. What the hell is this, an Iowa game? <laughs> Have you not followed my predictions all year? No, I really haven't. <laughs> all right. Are they all 12 to 9? It's, it's just weird scores. I love weird okay. scores. Well, John has a famous saying on uh, the podcast that is, Nebraska's got to score at least 40, but Michigan State but- does not have as high-powered of an offense as they used to. So... John, what is your prediction for uh, the game? I, I'm going with something close to Haas rather than 12 to 9. I mean, <laughs> my God, what are we, Iowa? What the hell, dude? I said that uh, already. Okay, uh, I'll go 35 to 21. I think that I think that we'll. I think we're just explosive. I think that uh, they're going to get some points, but I just don't think they'll be able to keep up. That's what she said. Uh, I will go one better because I am still in the camp that believes that at some point you're going to need a field goal. So I'm going to say 38-24. It's really just what you said, John, except with field goals. <laughs> okay. Uh, because I feel, you know, I feel like I, I feel like at least Barrett Pickering is going to have one, uh, although. <laughs> As special as improved as the special teams was this past week, uh, there was what a, a, a PAT that he banked in, and I, I don't, I don't think it counts if you don't call it. So I'm guessing he called it in the huddle. Uh, but that he's he's scary, in and not in the fun way. Um, so hopefully, you know, he continues to improve. I think I think we're seeing uh, improvement from Barrett Pickering every week, and looking forward to him hitting about a thirty yarder on Saturday. What the fuck is going on over there? All I know is that John is. Oh my God! What? Somebody's being mugged in the background. John is giggling. It's hilarious. That's not- I'm not oh my anything. god! It sounds like on? you know. It sounds like the stage guy on the radio show that did all the sound effects is having like some kind of seizure. The Foley artist. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That guy. Patrick, is everything okay? Is are you are you trying to cry for help? I'm sitting down. I don't know what's going on. Are you sitting in perhaps the world's oldest, creakiest rocking chair? Here's the thing. I've been pushing mute when I don't talk. 
Good, oh. good for you. In, in that case, yeah, I think maybe, game changer. I think all we can say then is that this phone line is haunted. Uh, but <laughs> we have had a lot of fun with four voices on the show. I see now. Now he says that, and I see the little mute icon by his name on Skype. So, uh, hopefully, you've enjoyed this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. We encourage you to be part of the conversation. Uh, you can do so on Facebook at uh, facebook.com/slash Five Written Out Hard Podcast on uh, Twitter, which the number Five Heart Podcast, and uh, of course at Coronation at Hoss Reuter, at the Hooch 36 and Patrick? At Patrick Gerhardt. Yeah, see? <laughs> uh, well, of course, all of these uh, uh, social media links will be available in the post on coronation.com and jitterymonkey.com. So uh, we appreciate everybody's input, and uh, including yours, dear listener. Um, that is it. Uh, now we have a fourth voice, and I don't know how to close the show. Like I don't know how to incorporate everybody into into the uh, close of the show. Patrick can sing for us. Patrick, do you know how to sing? I mean, it seems like, can you sing Patrick? Yeah, I can, but I'm not. (laughs) Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. My house is asleep. I'm not doing anything loud. (laughs) All right, we'll do this. Um, I'll do my part, which of course is, is the, the five heart part. Uh, John, can you do a, the extended version of Go Big Red and then Patrick do Go Big Red and then Haas do the, the Win the Damn Game? Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Does that, does, that, does that make everybody happy? And Patrick, you yeah. can do it at a volume that uh, it, you feel comfortable with. I've walked away from the main area. Oh, okay. Even better. Now you can yell it. And we expect, really, we expect a, a Go Big Red with gusto. Deal. <laughs> and now he's outside with the dogs in the cold. All right, so uh, for Hoss I am Reuter, right. for Hoss Reuter, John Dam Johnston, Patrick Gerhardt, I am Greg Mahochko. We thank you for listening, and we remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John? Go Big Red! Go Big Red! Win the damn game. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.